0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. We begin tonight's fair with yours truly, Johnny Dollar, played by Edmund O'Brien. Each case usually started with a phone call from an insurance adjuster calling on Johnny to investigate an unusual claim, a suspicious death, an attempted fraud, a missing person, or other mysterious circumstances. Each story required Johnny to travel to some distant locale, usually within the United States, but sometimes abroad, where he was almost always threatened with personal danger in the course of his investigations. Tonight, we hear the episode, The Earl Chadwick Matter."
2: From Hollywood, it's time now for Edmund O'Brien
3: as... Johnny Dollar.
1: The
4: Ambassador Travel Agency calling back, Mr. Dollar. Oh, yeah. Your reservation for Bermuda is just being confirmed. Pan American, flight number 134. You'll leave LaGuardia at 10.30 a.m., arrive Kindley Field, Bermuda, 2.30 p.m. Got it. We'll send the tickets right over. It's been a pleasure to serve you, sir, and I hope you have an enjoyable stay in Bermuda. Is it a vacation?
3: Well, hardly... I'm going down there to look up a dead man.
2: Edmund O'Brien in another transcribed adventure of the man with the action-packed expense account. America's fabulous freelance insurance investigator. Yours truly, Johnny
3: Dollar. Expense account submitted by Special Investigator Johnny Dollar to Tri-State Life Insurance Company. Attention, Leland Scarf, Chief Adjuster. The following is an accounting of my expenditures during investigation of the Earl Chadwick matter. Expense account item one, $1.80.
5: Cab fare to your Hartford office. A man has been seen alive, Dollar. I never was satisfied that he was dead. His boat, a small cruiser, was found wrecked, you know, but never a body. How long ago was that? little over four years ago, 1945. He was declared dead in 1947 in appellate court, and we were forced to meet the claim of his widow, or his wife and accomplice, as it might seem now. Go ahead. Here's the lady that saw and spoke to him. Mrs. Marshall, this is Mr. Dollar. How do you do? Mrs. Marshall? Now, I want you to tell Mr. Dollar what you told me, Mrs. Marshall, if you will.
4: Well... My husband and I had been in Bermuda for three days. Mrs.
5: Marshall, explain that you knew Earl Chadwick before. Oh,
4: yes, yes, we knew him. Not too well, thank heaven, but well enough to be pointed out as friends of that embezzler. You know how people are.
5: Embezzler, Mrs. Marshall? Oh, yes, there was attendant theft. He worked at the Monticello Loan Company in New York City. $30,000 disappeared at the same time he did. Police theory was that he wrecked his boat while attempting to leave with the money. Uh, Now, Mrs. Marshall, how you happen to see him?
4: We've been there three days, and that night we went to this nightclub in Hamilton, slumming, so to speak. It's called the Port of Castile on the waterfront. It had been a number of years, mind you, and Chadwick was much thinner, but I recognized him. He was seated with some sailors, and I said, Jerome, doesn't that look like Earl Chadwick?
5: And then you spoke to
4: him. What else could I do? I was dying of curiosity. When he got up to leave, I met him and said... Aren't you Earl Chadwick? He denied it, of course. But being that close, I'm positive that it was.
3: What did he say? Did he give you a name? No,
4: no, but I found out. I felt I was quite within my rights in asking a few questions. The name he's using is George Brewster.
5: Well, dollar. what about Chadwick's wife? What happened to her? She remarried one of his business associates, Harold Anderson. I had the girls draw up a complete record on the case. Photographs, police reports, everything you'll need. Uh, The wife's address is there in Queens, I think. All right, Mr. Scarf. I'll do what I can.
3: (laughs) Expense account item two. $250 plane ticket and miscellaneous expenses between Hartford and Bermuda. I drew an aisle seat and one of the worst hazards of air travel... or any other kind of travel. I'll tell you something pays to study these places before you go to them. I've been out there before. Nothing teaches like experience. But before my first trip, I knew more about Bermuda than lots of the folks that lived there, see? Well, that's very interesting. Yeah, yes, sir. Quite a history. Spoiled now, though. People aren't worth anything anymore. You know what spoiled them? Tourists. Mm -hmm. Yeah, took away all their ambition. Turned them into a bunch of lazy beggars and horse traders. Don't farm anymore. Don't do anything but work the tourists. Now, uh, I don't want to be a wet blanket, you understand. Oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, keep an eye on your wallet. They'll strip you if you give them a chance. Uh, my business is farm tools. What's yours? Yes, sir. My name is Dollar. Here's my credentials. I'd like to see the chief constable. Yes, sir. Yes? Uh, Mr. Dollar to see you, sir. An insurance investigator from the States. Yes, of course,
6: sir. Send him in.
3: Right, sir. That door, Mr. Dollar. Thank you.
6: Pleasure, Mr. Dollar. Your company cabled that you were coming. Sit down. Thank you. Well, now... Uh, you're here to look into the affairs of one George Brewster. What's he been up to? I'm not
3: sure he's been up to anything yet. According to a witness, he answers the description of a man who disappeared from New York a few years ago with $30,000. He was declared dead, and the company that hired me paid off an $80,000 insurance claim to his
6: wife. I see. Quite a valuable chap.
3: Yeah, if he is the chap.
6: But what about this Brewster? Do you people know him? We acquainted ourselves with him after the cable arrived. Nothing against him. Lives a rather rum life. Doesn't seem to have much. Are his papers in order? Passport? Visas? I uh, trust that he wouldn't be here if they were not. Like any other paradise, Mr. Dollar, Bermuda is forced to accept the existence of a certain percentage of misplaced or lost persons on its outskirts. That's what they are. They? Here's the address. Thank you. At the lower end of King George Road, do you wish transportation?
3: No, no, don't bother. The walk will do me good. I decided against the King George Road address. Instead, I returned to my hotel, memorized the photographs of Earl Chadwick, subtracting a little weight from the somewhat flabby face. And that night, I found myself a table near the door at the port of Castile. I sat there, nursing a minimum of foul drinks. It was ten o'clock before he came in and found standing space at the bar. George Brewster? Hmm? Or Earl Chadwick?
7: What's the matter with you? What is this?
3: I'm curious, too. How about coming over to my table?
7: All right. You act like a cop.
3: Just 50% cop, no badge. I'm working for Tri-State Life Insurance Company. What
7: does that mean?
3: They insured a man and paid off to his wife. Now, now they are insured he's
7: dead. He belongs to that other name you threw at me. What was it? Chadwick?
3: Earl Chadwick.
7: And I must look like him.
3: Here's a snapshot. Huh?
7: He's fatter, but it's pretty close at that. You know, about a week ago, some crazy old dame I never saw before called me some other name. It might have been Chadwick. I thought she'd drunk over her quota.
3: She was an old friend of Chadwick's. She swears she'd recognize him if if she saw him. And she swears she saw him.
7: It's weird, isn't it? I suppose it happens more often than we know about. What do you want? My papers and stuff?
3: They might help.
7: Sure, I'll write down my address. Um... uh, yeah. Uh, come on out anytime tomorrow. Uh, there you are.
3: Thank you. I should recover from these drinks by noon. Oh,
7: well, that'll be all right. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? Things like this could get your goat.
4: talking about last
3: night? Probably. I'm Johnny Dollar. Is George here?
4: No, he had to leave. He said you could
7: come in. He said you could look at this stuff.
4: Here's his passport and cards and things.
3: How long have you known him?
4: Mm, Two years last month.
3: Do you know where he came from?
4: Never asked me where I came from. Uh, this guy he looks like. He had a wife?
3: Yeah. I want to take some of his personal things into town to check his prints against this passport. Shaving brush if he uses one, tubes, jars, anything.
4: You think he's the guy?
3: I'll have to find out.
7: Never mind. You told me you were going. The prints would check against the passport, but it wouldn't make any difference. Now that it's started, why stretch it out? Why not make it easy? George? No, Earl. I'd almost forgotten. Earl, where can we talk? I've got a hotel room.
3: The statement he made filled in most of the blanks in the case. One, his wife was to have met him in Mexico City, but hadn't. Two, most of the stolen funds had gone to his wife to keep her going until she collected the insurance.
7: So she got married... I didn't know that. She told me to wait, and I did. Grace married.
3: We can leave for the States Grace anytime time you're Harold.
7: ready. Huh? Oh, I can be ready anytime you say. All I have to do is pack a few things and say goodbye to Fran.
3: Expense account item three. Space for two on New York bound plane. Chadwick was a hard man to figure out, but one thing I did realize. Now that he'd started, he was almost happy to be going back to the people he'd left. We arrived in the evening, and the next morning, I was told when I telephoned that Mrs. Grace Chadwick Anderson and her husband were at home and would receive them. Oh,
4: good morning.
7: I. Hello, Grace. Harold. I beg your pardon.
4: Oh. I understand, Harold. This must be the man that Mrs. Marshall phoned about. You know, the one in Bermuda.
7: Oh, come now, Grace. That's no good.
4: Who are you, anyway? Mr. Dollar, for what purpose did you and this man come here?
7: I brought him here so you could identify him
3: as your missing husband.
4: That's idiotic. There is the faintest resemblance, yes, but that's all.
3: What uh, What do you have in mind, Mr. Dollar? Now, no crude extortion attempt like this will get you anything but arrest. I know Earl Chadwick and I'll swear on the that this
7: man is not he. I should think you would, Harold. Who are you? Where did you learn my name?
4: Get him out of here. Why?
7: Why not talk over old times, Grace? Wait a minute.
3: All right, Mrs. Anderson, Mr. Anderson. I'm sorry I've taken up
7: your time. Come on. Dollar, what's the matter? You two... Come on. I'm sorry, dear.
0: I know it's been unpleasant for you.
7: Who do you think I am? I asked you, who do you think I am?
3: That doesn't count. You're legally dead. What about your parents?
7: They're dead. But I have friends or people that knew me.
3: They're no good. If your wife won't identify you, they're no good. You work for a loan company. They must have your prints.
7: I took them from the files and destroyed them when I left. How
3: are your teeth? What? Teeth. Who is your dentist here in town?
7: Dr. Uh, uh, Field. It's been so long. Dr. Homerfield. Uh... Uh, uh, Drake, Professional Building, Manhattan.
3: He'll still have your x-rays on file. They're as good as fingerprints. Go there this morning. Don't use your name. Give him your other name, George Brewster. Have a new set of x-rays taken. I'll do the rest. All right. Hold it. Now, look, I don't have to hire somebody to follow you, do I?
7: No. Oh, no. Not after I've seen them. You don't have to worry about my going any place. <laughs>
3: Expense account item four, $25, services of a private detective. Assignment, tailing Earl Chadwick and or George Brewster. At one o'clock, he had left the dentist's office and gone to his hotel room. At three, he was still there. And at 4.30, I arrived in the office of Dr. Homer Field. Brewster? Oh, yes, yes, his x-rays have come through. They're on the clamps. Uh, don't, don't touch them, please. Uh, what is your interest? Police identification. Oh, oh, yes, yes. Well, I was happy to cooperate. Thank you. Now. Yeah. Oh. How about digging in your files for the x-rays on a patient named Chadwick? Earl Chadwick. Um, I'd be glad to. Let's see. Chadwick,
6: Chadwick, Chadwick, Chadwick. Earl M. Chadwick, is that your man?
3: That's the name. Ah, well, 1945. Ooh, he should have been in for hygiene. Those pictures, how do they compare with this new set, Brewster?
7: Well, uh, let's have a look.
3: Ah, there's malocclusion, lower bicuspid, impacted third molar. Ah, erosion inlay, very interesting. You mean they're the same in both sets of pictures? Oh, no, 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 definitely not. Oh. But a man's mouth could change since 1945, couldn't it? Oh, yes, yes, it could, especially with neglect, but that would never cause a man to grow new teeth. Now, you see here, Brewster has one more incisor than Chadwick. The whole character of the, the mouth is different, I see, here. Yeah. 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 I see. It's different. Right? all right. Definitely. These two men would
6: not look even faintly alike.
2: In just a moment, we will return to the second act of yours truly, Johnny Dollar. But first, down the old ox road, learn to croon straight from the shoulder... Milestones in popular American music. Milestones in the career of one of America's favorite troubadours, Bing Crosby. This Wednesday night, over most of these same CBS stations, you're invited to hear the Bing Crosby Show. Bing Crosby with the music of John Scott Trotter, with the Rhythm Airs, with Ken Carpenter. Here's the show designed for the whole family. A pleasant and diverting mixture of music and merriment, guided by the one and only Bing Crosby. Bing Crosby. Plan now to hear The Bing Crosby Show this Wednesday night on CBS. And now with our star, Edmund O'Brien, we return to the second act of Yours Truly, Johnny Dollar.
3: Look, Dr. Field, these x-rays labeled Earl Chadwick, could they be misfiled? Could they be under the wrong name? Miss filed? No, definitely not. My assistant has been with me for ten years. Never made a mistake yet. Oh. Well, then could anyone else have gotten in here and planted a different set under that name? But why? I would realize the difference the moment I looked into the mouth. That erosion inlay alone. Yeah. I know. Look, your office. Has it been broken into? Yeah, a long time ago for narcotics. How long ago? Six, seven years ago during the war. But not since then. I've missed nothing. The janitor, the nightman, is he have a key? Uh, no, no, it's cleaned in the evening, just before I leave. Robbery is out of the question.
5: Huh. Uh, just what is your
3: problem, Mr. Dollar? Well, if I wanted to plan some x-rays in a file, where could I get some? Well, I never thought of it. But uh, Where would I go? Would you give me some? Oh, no, no, definitely not. That would be most unethical, un- unless, of course, you were a patient of mine and the x-rays were of your own mouth. Oh, thank you, doctor. I think that's what I wanted to hear you say. Before dark, I made two more stops, searching for something to help me prove that Earl Chadwick was alive, if he was. The Hall of Records had nothing but a couple of certificates on him. One recorded his birth, the other recorded his death. I checked the wanted file at police headquarters. They had checked him out in 47 when the court had pronounced him dead. On my way out of there, I made two phone calls. The second was to the detective I'd hired. Landro, what are you doing in your office? Did you lose him or get tired?
6: He was on to me, Dollar. He got into the crowds at Macy's. I put the houseman at his hotel on it. He's watching his door. I
3: just phoned his room. He's not there. What's he been up to?
6: He left the hotel at 318 and took a cab over to 3rd Avenue. What address? A pawn shop, Johnny. He bought a gun.
3: Nice going, Landro. If you decide to change over to stopping traffic at school crossings, use me as a reference. (laughs) Where's your husband, Miss Anderson? He's here, but he
4: Come doesn't... Come on, us. I want
3: to talk to you both.
4: You have no right to... Burning.
3: Where is he? What is it, Grace? Oh, it's you again. That's right.
4: He forced his way into the house. Make him get out, Harold.
3: I will if I have to. Now, look here. I don't know what that imposter has told you, and I don't care. If you choose to believe his lies, that's your business. And a sorry business it is. But I will not allow my wife on my home to be upset by his schemes any longer. Are you through? No, not quite. It's obvious to us, if it's not to you, that this man learned of the unexplained details surrounding Earl's death and is attempting to use this vague resemblance to his advantage. Now, extortionists land in prison, Mr. Dollar. And the only reason I haven't turned to the police before this is that we want to escape the notoriety of having past tragedies lived again. He bought a gun this afternoon. That makes him look like the double-crossed husband, doesn't it? man's a maniac. I'm going to ask for police protection. Where is he? Who?
4: This man. Do you know where he is?
3: I found out he bought a gun. I was afraid he was coming here to use it.
4: Harold, I can't believe this is happening. Now,
3: Grace, please. Why? Why? Why would he harm us? He doesn't know us, and we don't know him. He bought the gun to convince you, Dollar. He knows a lot about you, Anderson. He knows you were Chadwick's immediate superior in the loan company before he disappeared.
4: Harold, it, it couldn't be, could it? Grace. It's been a long time. Maybe some disease could change a person that much. But he would have contacted me. Wait.
5: Earl is dead.
4: How did this man learn so much about us?
3: As far as I can see, he's made only one mistake. The size of the theft. He says he stole 10,000. According to the record, 30,000 was missing. Of course, it's possible that it isn't a mistake. That somebody in the firm who knew what his plan was... picked up the odd 20,000 and put it on Chadwick's account. Mr. Dollar... I have one thing to say to you before you leave. Earl Chadwick is dead. You're so right. And that's what troubles me. A legally dead man running around loose with a gun makes an interesting situation. Did you ever think of that? Who would the police look for? I'm going to my hotel in case you want to phone in your answer. Where have you been, Chadwick?
7: Right here. The maid let me in.
3: What's the idea?
7: I was scared somebody was following me. I got the feeling they hired somebody to get rid of me. No. Why not?
3: I haven't thought of that yet. Give me the gun. I need it. Come on, where is it? Never
7: mind. Get, get away from me.
3: Come on, where are you carrying
7: Hey, Hey! How did you know I had it?
3: What were you going to do with it? I told you I was scared.
7: <laughs> you thought I was going to kill them?
3: The idea crossed my mind.
7: <laughs> No. What good would that do? How
3: should I know what's going on in that head of yours? Why'd you come back, then?
7: Just to get things straightened out.
3: You wouldn't have had to. I haven't found a way to prove who you are. Oh,
7: I knew I didn't have to come back. But everything was stagnant. Being George Brewster was dull. I thought that's what I wanted. A new identity, even without grace. But I guess nobody's ever satisfied. And when you have a choice of who you want to be, then it's really hard... Uh, What about the X-rays?
3: No good. The set under Chadwick didn't match the one you had taken today.
7: They had to. They made a
3: switch with somebody else's, probably Anderson's. It's an easy office to enter. Probably hired a cat burglar. Nothing at the Hall of Records, nothing at police headquarters. You're dead. What did the police say? I didn't talk to them. Why should I? The case is closed. You're dead. (laughs)
7: Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Yeah?
6: Landlord, Johnny.
5: No, oh, yeah. Sorry I blew up.
6: Forget it. I lost him, didn't I? How is it?
3: Oh, it's a mess. I'm not getting any place. The only proof I can find is proof that he's dead.
6: Maybe he should stay there.
3: Yeah, uh, I'm getting ideas myself.
6: What about his draft board? They take prints.
3: Police checked in 47. They lost. Look, I'm going to have to dummy up something. I don't want you to violate any trade secrets, but do you know a good forger? That depends. It'll be practically legal. All I need is a driver's license.
6: I think that can be managed, Johnny. When? Tonight. It'll cost.
3: Well, I'm working for a wealthy company. Oh, there's more, too, Landro. How about meeting us in your office in 45 minutes?
8: Sure, Johnny. Bring a bottle. <laughs>
3: Prents account item 5, $500, one bogus 1947 driver's license complete with Chadwick's thumbprint. By 10 p.m., we were back in Landro's office.
6: Johnny, how desperate is this, Anderson?
3: Desperate enough to welcome a nice fast deal. Don't quote a price unless you have to. Just get him down here.
6: Why anybody goes through all this to make prison? (laughs) Prison?
3: Come on, Landro, get on the phone. There's the number.
6: You're my client. Mr. Harold Anderson, I'll be blunt, this is blackmail. I'm calling in the interests of Earl Chadwick. No, he isn't. He's alive. But I do have proof. A driver's license he took out just before he disappeared, as a sort of a double check on the past. You'll believe it when you see it. It's for sale. He doesn't want to go to prison any more than you do, but he needs money. I said you'd believe it when you saw it. I think it'll be worth a trip over here. We'll talk price then. Ah, uh, uh we meet here. Number 465 Tide Building, 7th Avenue. It's no bluff. Nobody knows about it. Uh, I'll be alone. He doesn't believe it. When will he be here? He said 45 minutes. Good. Now, don't make the
3: price too high. Set up a meeting with him tomorrow and we'll have the police here.
7: Well? Step forth, Lazarus.
3: Empty the ashtrays, Landro. Looks like three men have been here. He arrived at 11.30. Chadwick and I, in an adjoining room with the door cracked, watched his weary entrance.
6: Who are you? The name is on the door. Uh, Landro. You work under a license issued by the state of New York. Sometimes, but the license isn't important tonight. You won't make any trouble. Sit down. Well, Landro? Here it is. Uh-uh, just look. Name, a serial number, a date, a signature, and a thumbprint. Where is he? He'll phone me in the morning. Well, Where is the man from the insurance company? Looking for Chadwick. He doesn't know about this yet. Why? Why has he waited this long? He didn't know everything that had happened. You and his wife. The money you made on him. What's the price? Well, as he put it to me, it ought to be figured from the 20 grand you took and the advance you've made in the company the last few years. How much? He'd like to start at 15,000. It would take a while. 5,000 tomorrow, say around noon. The other 10 within a week. That's when you get the license.
3: Well, it would have to be later than noon tomorrow, but uh, I brought 1,500 with me. That's a deal. All right. All right. I'll give it to you. Hey,
6: watch it. Don't do it. Anderson. Wait, dollar. Landro, down. Landro. I'm all right.
3: Chadwick. 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 Pulse. Pull his collar down.
6: Nothing? <sighs> Nothing.
3: know what your company can do about it now. Both Mr. and Mrs. Anderson gave statements to the police that same night, confessing their contribution to the original crime. You'll have a hard time prying Harold Anderson loose from the clutches of the state which is working on a murder indictment for him. About the wife, Grace, I don't know. If she's not found guilty as an accessory, I'd be happy to appear as a witness if she's brought to trial on fraud charges. As for my part in it, I'm not proud of myself, but I was hired to find a dead man. And I finally found one, just before he lived. Expense account total, $1,575.30. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Yours truly, Johnny Dollar stars Edmund O'Brien in the title role and is written by Gil Dowd and David Ellis, with music composed and conducted by Leith Stevens. Edmund O'Brien can soon be seen starring in the Columbia Pictures production, The Los Angeles Story. Featured in tonight's cast were Lillian Biaf, Walter Burke, Virginia Gregg, John Boehner, Ben Wright, Tudor Owen, and Ted Osborne. Yours truly, Johnny Dollar, is produced and directed by Jaime Del Valle. Join us again next week at this same time when, from Hollywood, Edmund O'Brien returns in
3: another transcribed adventure of... Yours truly, Johnny Dollar.
2: Wednesday night, CBS brings you Groucho Marx with his brilliant quiz, You Bet Your Life. It's one of the brightest, most spontaneous, most genuinely funny shows on the air. So be listening this Wednesday night on most of these same CBS stations for You Bet Your Life starring Groucho Marx. Stay tuned now for the adventures of Philip Marlowe. Which follow over most of these same CBS stations. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: Stay tuned for Our Miss Brooks, next on Theatre of the Mind. Time now for Eve Arden to star as the English teacher at Madison High in another episode of Our Miss Brooks.
9: Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden. Yes, it's time once again for Eve Arden in another comedy episode of Our Miss Brooks, written by Al Lewis. Well, the football fever is sweeping through our schools once more, and Madison High School, where our Miss Brooks teaches English, is no exception.
10: No, indeed. Most of the kids at Madison eat, sleep, and talk nothing but football. Of course, it doesn't affect me one way or another. When I start my class in the morning, I simply bark the signal for order, call my monitors into a huddle, and with a single wing to the right, do a reverse line buck through the second act of Macbeth. Last Wednesday, when Walter Denton, one of my pupils, joined my landlady, Mrs. Davis, and me at breakfast, I chided him about not doing his homework properly. His reaction was instantaneous.
11: I don't see how you can say that, Miss Brooks. Why, ever since the fall term started, I've been doing my football religiously. (laughs) Take breath. Now you're you quite sure, Walter, that those little coffee cakes and some milk will be enough for you. No, ma'am. <laughs> That's all I've got in the house. Oh, then it'll be enough.
10: <laughs> this boy's a realist. <laughs>
4: I wish I had something else to offer you. A growing boy should eat a big breakfast, especially an athlete like Walter. Athlete?
11: Yeah, I told Mrs. Davis about it before you came in to breakfast, Miss Brooks. I'm going out for the team this year. I've just got to get my letter.
10: You? But, Walter, you don't seem to
11: have too much aptitude for athletics. Who hasn't? Well, the only reason I didn't make the football team last year was because I hurt my arm trying out for the baseball team. (laughs) Did you make the baseball team, dear? Oh, no, Mrs. Davis. But only because I hurt my foot trying to get my M in track. (laughs) And I'd have made that, too, if my ribs weren't so sore from water polo.
10: Well, that's one thing about Walter. If he doesn't get his M from Madison, he'll get it from the Mayo Brothers Clinic.
8: (laughs) maybe
10: you'll be luckier this season, Walter. Now, as soon as you finish moistening your fingers and picking cake crumbs off the tablecloth, we can get started for school.
11: Okay, Miss Brooks. Gee, if I do make the team, I'll be playing alongside my pal Stretch Snotgrass. He's one of the best athletes Madison ever had, you know.
10: Really? Sure. He's a three-letter man. He's a three-letter man in my English class, too. After A, B, and C, he's a goner.
8: (laughs)
11: there, Miss Brooks. We'll park down by the athletic field, if you don't mind. Stretch might be working out early this morning. All right, Walter.
10: You're certainly fond of the kid, aren't you?
11: Yeah, he's my buddy, Miss Brooks. And I want you to know that we're sure grateful to you for keeping him eligible this year. Gosh, if you didn't help him with his studies after school, I don't know what would happen. I do. (laughs) Well, here's the football field. I'll just roll up these windows and lock the (laughs) door.
10: Well, you've got the ball. Why aren't you running with it? You came right through the window. Are you all right, Miss Brooks? If I am, I owe it all to my shatterproof
9: skin.
11: Yeah, sorry, folks.
9: I don't usually kick them that crooked.
10: Oh,
11: that's okay, Stretch.
9: Gosh, look at all that glass. Lucky the laces weren't cut. That football is
10: school property.
8: Well, I'm school
10: property, too. Let's take a look at my laces. <laughs>
8: Well, I'm sure glad
9: you're okay, Miss Brooks. Well, the reason I'm working out this early is because they're remodeling my room at home, and I had to sleep on our drafty back porch, and I got a bad king in my leg.
10: You got a king in your leg? Yeah,
9: you know, like when you pull a lingament.
10: <laughs> yeah, those ligaments can sure cause a lot of trouble.
8: <laughs> Why are they remodeling
11: your room, Stretch?
9: Well, you know, our living quarters are behind my father's pet shop. Yeah. And Dad got a big shipment of marmosets in the other day, and he needs more space. But it's only temporary. It'll take a few weeks to switch the bedrooms around, then I'll be back indoors again.
11: Yeah, but meantime, you can get a bad draft and pull another (laughs) (laughs) lingament.
10: Or even bruise a tendon. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding, Stretch. You've got to find another place to sleep. Walter's right, Stretch. Wait a minute. Haven't you got an aunt who lives alone? You mean the one you met at the movies the other night? Yes. She seemed inordinately fond of you. Oh, that's just the way she acts. She really likes me.
8: <laughs>
9: but she lives way out on Clark Street. That's halfway to Clay City.
8: Well,
11: look, if you're worried about getting to school in the morning, Stretch, I'll be happy to pick you up and drive you in. After all, if we're going to be on a football team together, we'll be practicing a lot in the mornings.
9: Gee, that's awful nice of you, Walter. Walter. I'll call Aunt Minnie before school this morning. I'm sure she won't mind, and then I'll have my dad move my things out there in our truck.
10: Oh, great. Maybe the marmosets would carry them over for you.
11: (laughs) I'm sure
9: glad you got the idea for me to move, Miss Brooks. That porch is pretty drafty.
10: Well, I'm going to practice a little while longer. Well, how about you, Walter? Want to work out? Oh, sure, Stretch. How about you, Miss Brooks? Want to watch? No, thanks, Walter. I'd better get into school. Mr. Conklin wants to see me before my first class.
11: Well, okay, but you don't know what you're missing. Old Stretch here sure has an educated
10: toe. Good. Let's hope it may one day spread to his brain.
9: (laughs) Miss Brooks, I've summoned you here to my office to commend you for the splendid work you're doing with Stretch Snodgrass.
10: Well, thank you, Mr. Conklin.
9: But you've got to keep that boy eligible for football. If Madison's team doesn't make a presentable showing this season, I'll never hear the end of it from Jason Brill.
10: Clay City's principal?
9: The same. He's the bane of my existence, Miss Brooks. We've been rivals a good many years.
10: Oh, even before you were principals of rival schools?
9: Before we were teachers. Even in state normal, I found him abnormal.
8: <laughs> He'll go to
9: any length to defeat and embarrass me. Now, Brill phoned me last night and said he'd be dropping in to see me this morning. He said he'd have a juicy bit of news for me. Well, if he thinks he's got juicy news for me, I've got still juicier news for him you know what it is, Miss Brooke?
10: You're opening an orange aid stand.
9: <laughs> Please. I just learned that Biff Mooney, one of the greatest college football players, is interested in a high school coaching job in this part of the country. I've already opened negotiations for his services by mail, and it's a foregone conclusion that he'll accept my offer. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait until I see the expression on Brill's face when I tell him about it.
10: (laughs) For some states that laugh would be banned. (laughs) Uh,
9: Come in. Well, good morning, Osgood. Good morning to you, Jason. I have a juicy bit of news for you this morning. Well, I have a juicy bit of news for you, too, Osgood. Oh, pardon me. How are you, Miss Brooks?
10: Juicy, thanks. Yeah,
9: Osgood, I've just signed Biff Mooney to coach the Clay City football team this season. Well, isn't that nice? Now I'll just tell you what I've got up. my
8: Biff Mooney!
10: Um, remember that expression you were waiting to see on Mr. Brill's face? Yes. You're wearing it. <laughs> Now, see here,
9: Brill. In the first place, I don't believe a man like Mooney would be knucklehead enough to sign with your outfit. But even if he has, a good coach can't make a team without material. Material? Why, last season, our backs went through your line like it was damp cheesecloth.
10: Well, it's not going to be that way this season, Mr. Brill. Uh,
9: Go ahead, Miss Brooks. Tell him.
10: This season, it's going to be dry cheesecloth. (laughs) (laughs) We've got some great players on the squad. Players like Stretch Snodgrass. Stretch Snodgrass?
9: Who's he? That's him What was that? Pardon me, Osgood Is that a football in your lap Or have you gone off your diet? (laughs) I told those kids a thousand times Go, come in I'm awful sorry, Mr. Conklin I'm afraid I kicked my football in here I'm afraid you did, Stretch But I don't understand why I thought I told you to confine your practicing To the other end of the field But I did, Mr. Conklin That's where I kicked it from Well, there's absolutely no excuse in the world Nice kick, boy!
8: (laughs) You
10: mean to tell me that that ball was propelled here by that boy's foot? It wasn't flown here by one of his Blue Jay corn plasters. (laughs) That,
9: Mr. Brill, is our Stretch Snodgrass, one of the greatest triple threat quarterbacks in the country. Stretch, this is Mr. Brill, principal of Clay City High. Hi, sir. Hello, son. (laughs) (laughs) Tell me, where did you learn to kick like that? Oh, it's just natural with me, I guess. But if you don't mind, I'd rather not discuss football no more this morning. I just got some bad news about my pal, Walter Denton. He's been cut off the football squad.
10: Why, Stretch? Because he was the 29th man it, and we only got 28 uniforms. Well, it would be a little embarrassing if he were sent in as
8: a substitute. (laughs)
9: I don't see how a spindly pippet like Denton could go out for the team in the first place. He couldn't carry a football in a wheelbarrow. (laughs) Please, Mr. Conklin, you're talking about my pal. There's nothing he wouldn't do for me. Gosh, when he heard I was moving out to my aunt's place on Clark Street, he even offered to pick me up every morning. Uh, Did you say you were moving to Clark Street? Yes, sir. Way out in the 3900 block. Yeah, but that's halfway to Clay City. Why, you're in a district that... Why don't we have lunch together this afternoon, boy?
8: <laughs> Stay in
9: the school cafeteria? About 12? Just the two of us?
10: From the picture you were meant for me? Now,
9: see here, Brill. Hey, tell me, I'm... boy, do you kick them that far often? Well, without I should do any boasting, I almost never done no kicking, which the ball don't travel over 70, 80 yards hardly.
8: Amazing. And how do you pass?
10: In English, by the skin of his teeth.
9: (laughs) Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, will continue in just a moment, but first, here is Vern Smith. Now, proof that brushing teeth right after eating with Colgate Dental Cream helps stop tooth decay before it starts. Continuous research, hundreds of case histories, makes this the most conclusive proof. In all dentifrice research on tooth decay, eminent dental authorities supervised hundreds of college men and women for over two years. One group always brushed their teeth with Colgate's right after eating. The other followed their usual dental care. The group using Colgate dental cream as directed, using Colgate's exclusively, showed a startling reduction in average number of cavities, far less tooth decay. The other group developed new cavities at a much higher rate. No other dentifrice offers proof of these results. Modern research indicates decay is caused by mouth acids, which are at their worst after meals or snacks. When you brush your teeth with Colgate's right after eating, you help remove acids before they can harm enamel. Yes, Colgate's contains all the necessary ingredients, including an exclusive patented ingredient for effective daily dental care. And remember, Colgate's cleans your breath while it cleans your teeth. Always use Colgate dental cream right after eating to help prevent new cavities. Help stop tooth decay before it starts.
10: All during my morning classes, I worried about Jason Brill having lunch with Madison's star quarterback. When I communicated my fears to Mr. Conklin, he said... Miss
9: Brooks, we've got to find out what that blaggard is up to at all costs.
10: So when lunch period finally rolled around, I followed the blackguard into the school restaurant and borrowed an apron from one of the girls behind the steam table.
9: Uh, come over here to this corner table stretch. We won't be disturbed here. Okay, Mr. Pearl. Now, sit down, my boy. Now then, there's something I must talk to you about in strictest confidence. In strictest confidence? It concerns your football career.
10: Who gets the lima beans? Uh...
9: Miss Brooks, I I thought this was a self-service cafeteria.
10: Oh, it is, Mr. Brill, except when we have a distinguished visitor like yourself. Then I like to see that he's well taken care of. (sighs) I brought you each the blue plate. Just what I wanted. Succotash and lima beans. Thanks, Miss Brooks. You're perfectly welcome, Stretch. Now, please continue with your confidential conversation, gentlemen. You were saying, Mr. Brill, that you wanted... (laughs) Yeah,
9: I uh, wanted to tell you what a lovely day it is. Uh, Sun shining, not a bit humid. Although cumulus clouds do seem to be gathering in the east. In fact, it looks like we might be in for a bit of a blow.
10: This is going to be a weather report. I might as well blow, too. I'll go get some dessert for you. Uh, Do
9: that. Now then, Stretch, I'll come right to the point. In your present address on Clark Street, you're eligible to enter Clay City High. And that's what I want you to do. Transfer immediately. Transfer? From Madison? Exactly. You said yourself that your pal Walter Denton couldn't get on your football team because there's no uniform for him. Isn't that right? Yeah. But well, I... every American boy should have the right to play football. Shouldn't he? Of course he should. Now, with you off the Madison team, there'd be another uniform available for Walter. Oh, I never thought of it like that. Well, think of it.
8: Gee, <laughs> <laughs> hey,
9: on account of me, Walter won't get to play at all. He'll never get his letter and... Gosh, fine pal I am. Yes, I don't know why he even talks to you. Now, Stretch, I've got to get back to Clay City High at once, but I've arranged for our new coach, Biff Mooney, to meet you outside your main gate after school. Biff Mooney? Is he your new coach? Of course. Now, Biff will accompany you to your parents, Stretch, and get their consent to the transfer. It's just a formality, you understand? Yes, sir. I guess if it's going to help Walter, I'll have to do it. Mm. I hate to think of what Mr. Conklin will say when he hears about this. Oh, forget about Mr. Conklin. We know that what we're doing is right. It's for our pals' happiness. There's absolutely no reason to be afraid of Mr. Conklin. Then I'll go right down and ask him for the transport. You wait, boy. Wait till I get out of the building.
10: <laughs> so you see, Mr. Conklin, every time I got near the table, they were talking about the weather.
9: Ah, well, perhaps our fears were exaggerated, Miss Brooks. Granted, Brill might try to get away with something. Oh, come in. Well, it's straight snodgrass. Come right in, my boy. Sit down. Here, take my chair. Sit by the window. Shall I open it for you? You want the fan on?
10: Hot towel, pedicure. <laughs> Mr. Conklin,
9: you don't know what I'm here for. If you're worried about that window you broke this morning, forget it.
10: What a
8: kick
9: that was. Thanks, but, but you still don't know what I want, Mr. Conklin. Name it and it's yours. What is it you want, my boy? I want to transfer to Clay City High. Certainly. I'll just sit down at my desk. Get a pen and fill out the necessary... Transfer to Clay City. Hi!
10: Cuff, penicillin. That's
8: pirate!
9: What poppycock did Brill feed you at lunch, Stretch? Well, he didn't feed me no poppycock. It, it was, was succotash.
8: <laughs> but well, he can't
9: get away with it this time. No matter what he told you, you can't transfer to Clay City. You don't live in their district. Oh, I do now. What? Oh, I use them to. But I do now... You see, sir, I've moved in with my aunt, and she lives right near Clay City Moved in with your aunt? And whose bright idea was that?
10: If you'll excuse me, I'm going to lie down somewhere
8: <laughs> Miss
10: Brooks! In front of a streetcar, I think <laughs> Oh, let me explain, Mr. Conklin Stretch was sleeping in the draft, and I thought it would That's be That's so much...
9: your trouble, Miss Brooks, you think too much Stretch, know about this transfer yet? No, sir. They just know I'm going to live with Aunt Mamie. But I'm meeting Biff Mooney after school, and he's going to ask them for their permission.
10: Stretch, let me ask you a question. In all the years you've been here, Mr. Conklin has always treated you fairly, hasn't he? I'll rephrase the question. In fact, I'll forget it. Just promise me that you'll drop into my classroom after school today.
9: Sure, Miss Brooks. That is, if somebody will tell Biff Mooney to wait for me. We'll
10: take care of Biff, Stretch. Now, remember, I want you to come to my classroom immediately after school. Okay, Miss Brooks. See you later. Right, Stretch. Bye, Mr. Conklin.
9: Not goodbye, Stretch. Just aloha. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Miss Brooks, it was you who got us into this situation.
8: And I'll get us out
10: of it. And I think I can, Mr. Conklin. I think I've got a plan. A plan? A plan? Supposing, instead of being taken to Stretch's house, this Mooney were taken to my house.
9: I don't understand. Stretch wouldn't take him to your house.
10: No, the real Stretch wouldn't, and Stretch's real parents won't be there either. But this Mooney doesn't know Stretch I... from a hole in the ground, does he?
9: Well, come in. Oh, it's Walter Denton.
10: I was just looking for Harriet and
11: I.
8: Mr.
10: Conklin, that... shake hands with a hole in the ground. <laughs> <laughs>
9: I just can't believe that you're Stretch Snodgrass. Oh, sure
11: I am, Mr. Mooney. Who did you think was? Well, you
9: just don't sound like Mr. Brill said you would. The way he described it, you talked well differently.
11: What's the way I talk got anything to do with? Gee, I ain't never said nothing to get insulted for it by nobody hardly.
9: I take it all back.
11: Well, this is the house, Mr. Mooney. Come on in. My old lady always leaves the door open for me. All right, Stretch. Oh. There's my dear
10: old mom in the rocker. Mom,
11: I want you should meet Biff Mooney. I'm very pleased to make your acquaintance, Mrs. Snodgrass.
10: Likewise, I'm sure, Mr. Mooney.
11: Uh, If you'll pardon
9: my saying so, ma'am, you seem hardly old enough to be the mother of such a big boy.
10: Ain't it the truth? (laughs) (laughs) Now, what can we do for you, coach?
9: Coach? How did you know I was a football coach?
10: Well, it's a cinch you don't crochet no doilies for a living. (laughs) What a built on him.
11: He wants me to transfer from Madison to Clay City High, Ma. Oh, now that's a serious step.
9: I know it is, Mrs. Plunker. <laughs> you see, it's for the boy's own good, and that's why I'm here today, to get you to acquiesce.
10: Stretch, this guy's getting fresh. Turn him out. <laughs> Don't
9: you see, ma'am, we, we just want your sanction. My what? Uh, you're okay.
10: You're okay, too, but what do you want?
8: Place City High.
10: Well, I don't know. This here Madison learns him pretty good. I think we'll keep him where he's at. Oh,
9: please, Mrs. Snodgrass, don't, don't be hasty. Maybe we should discuss this with Mr. Snodgrass as well.
10: Oh,
11: sure. Pop's right in the next room. I'll call him. Come on in here, Pop!
10: <laughs> Meet the little man, Mr. Mooney. I'm delighted to know you, Mr.
9: Snodgrass. Yous are too kind. <laughs> I'd like to get your permission for Stretch to transfer to Clay City High, Mister Snodgrass. Oh, it's a wonderful school. Nothing and doing. <laughs> Transfers is for streetcars.
8: <laughs>
9: no, no, our boy wouldn't be happy in no Clay City High. That their school just don't offer no advantages, no how. <laughs> don't offer nothing, though, how. I don't see how you folks can, folks can
10: talk like this. Believe me, it ain't easy. <laughs> I gotta go get supper ready, Pa. You get rid of, uh, say goodbye to Mr. Mooney for me whenever he leaves. Like, right away, I hope.
9: <laughs> okay, Ma. See you later.
11: Well, I guess that's the story, Mr. Mooney. No, now, wait, Stretch. Uh, Mr.
9: Snodgrass, if you let me tell you something about Clay City... Nothing uh... doing. I ain't taking any chances with my only child's happiness. I I love this boy.
8: <laughs> Papa dear. Ah.
9: Get out of here and help your ma in the kitchen. You see, uh, Mr. Moon Mur-
8: I love you too, Papa. <laughs>
9: I know. I know. Now, Mr. Mooney, if you. Stretch, what are you hanging around for?
8: Kiss me, Papa. Get out of here! Uh,
9: He's such an affectionate little jerk. A youngster. (laughs) We've always been quite close.
8: Excuse me, Daddy, but I saw your car outside and the door was open. My daughter, Harriet.
9: Harriet, go away, child.
8: But, Daddy. Just
9: a minute. I thought you said that Stretch was your only child.
8: Dress. Your
9: brother, Harriet Now go on out into the kitchen Your mother will explain the whole thing to you
10: Oh, is mother here?
9: Stop the question Just go in and Stuff see if... on
10: mother. the table, Pa Well, if it isn't, Missy
8: yes.
10: <laughs> Oh, Harriet How nice to see you Why don't you go home to your mother? Her mother... <laughs>
9: she did come home to her mother Ma Ma <laughs>
10: I guess it's time we told you, Harriet. I am your mother. (laughs) Your father and I, uh, your father and me, we've been secretly married for 16 years.
8: But I'm almost 17.
10: I'm over 17. I was hoping you wouldn't notice it. (laughs) What is
9: this all about? Mrs. Snodgrass, I demand to know the truth.
10: Mrs. Snodgrass
9: Uh, You might as well know the whole story Harriet As a poor but honest immigrant I entered this country illegally Your mother and I started out from the old country together
10: But I, your mother couldn't make it (laughs) They shot me at the border (laughs) Four years later I was smuggled into the country
9: With a group of oriental laborers
8: (laughs) Oriental laborers? Don't
10: look down your nose at me girl I helped build Boulder
8: Dam (laughs) Oh, yeah, Mr. Snodgrass? Mrs. Snodgrass?
9: Miss <laughs> Brooks ain't Mrs. Snodgrass. My mother's Mrs. Snodgrass.
8: Yeah. <laughs> Go away,
9: boy. We're busy. But, but Mr. Conklin, I waited in Miss Brooks' classroom like she said. And... Mr. Conklin? Miss Brooks? Hey, what is all this, and who are you? Well, I'm Stretch Snodgrass. Uh, Stretch Snodgrass?
11: <laughs> oh, did you call me Biff?
9: Biff.
8: Yeah. <laughs> are you Biff Mooney?
9: Oh, I was when I came in here, but right now I was. Oh. <laughs> Oh, it was absurd to think that this ridiculous scheme would work. This is the real Stretch Snodgrass, Mr. Mooney. If he wants a transfer, I guess there's nothing we can do to stop him.
10: And after all that iodine I used at the border.
9: <laughs> but I won't need no transfer now, Mr. Conklin. That's what I come over to tell Miss Brooks. I talked to the manager of the football team just now, and he said they're getting another uniform, so Waller can be on the team, too.
11: Oh, boy, that's great, Stretch. Say, hey, instead of living with your aunt,
10: you can move in with me.
9: You can move in with me.
10: You can move in with. You can sleep in the gym.
9: <laughs> Eve Arden, as our Miss Brooks, returns in just a moment, but first.
8: Dream girl, dream girl, beautiful luster cream girl. Tonight.
9: Yes, tonight, show him how much lovelier your hair can look after a Luster Cream shampoo. Luster Cream, world's finest shampoo. No other shampoo in the world gives Kay Dumas magic blend of secret ingredients plus gentle lanolin. Not a soap, not a liquid. Luster Cream shampoo leaves hair three ways lovelier. Fragrantly clean, free of loose dandruff, glistening with sheen, soft, manageable,
8: A Luster Cream Shampoo.
9: And now, once again, here is our Miss Brooks.
10: Well, after the smoke had cleared away, and also Walter Stretch and Harriet, Mr. Conklin and I took a very bewildered Biff Mooney by the arms and pointed him toward the nearest streetcar.
9: And now, Mr. Mooney, you may return to your unscrupulous employer and tell him that once again he has been soundly defeated by superior brain power.
10: Thank you, Mr. Conklin. Mr. Conklin,
9: I I did get a contract from Mr. Brill, but if he's going to get me into things like this all the time, I've got a good mind not to sign it. Well, if you'll excuse me now... Uh, uh, Hold hold on there, boy. You say you haven't signed your coaching contract with Clay City? That's right, sir. Well, well. (laughs) Mr. Mooney, why don't we have dinner together at my place? There's something I'd like to discuss with you. I guess that could be arranged. Fine. We'll have dinner at 8. Uh, care to join us, Miss Bruin?
10: No, thanks. I'm going to Clay City tonight to see the fireworks.
9: Uh, fireworks?
10: Unless I've miscalculated, if you and Biff are having dinner at eight, Mr. Brill should be blowing his top at nine. <laughs>
9: Next week, tune into another Our Miss Bruce show brought to you by mustard cream shampoo for soft, glamorous, caressable hair. And Colgate Dental Cream to clean your breath while you clean your teeth and help stop tooth decay. Our Miss Brooks, starring Eve Arden, is produced by Larry Burns, directed by Al Lewis, with music by Wilbur Hatch. Mr. Conklin was played by Gail Gordon. Others in tonight's cast were Jane Morgan, Dick Crenna, Gloria McMillan, Leonard Smith, Frank Nelson, and Leif Erickson. (laughs)
1: Thank you very much for listening. Tomorrow night, we'll wrap up the week with Voyage of the Scarlet Queen, followed by the Fred Allen Show. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air